We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Paul, my co-host, my partner in crime on this championship Sunday. That's right. Former Los Angeles Rams defensive back, Michael Stewart. Mike, how you doing? Hey, man. Glad to be here, Big DC. How about yourself? It's a wonderful day, full of joy, cheer. We're one day prior to Martin Luther King Day. It's 
almost the end of January. You know, winter's almost over where I'm at. I mean, that, that's okay. I'm being optimistic. It's not really almost over, but close. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm thinking I'm on the eastern seaboard because, man, it's been in the 30s. Uh, man, it's freezing somewhat all day. Well, to us, 37 oh, seems like freezing. <laughs> I need to get you a small violin. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, Come man, it's on. freezing out here. <laughs> get a but high man, of 20 uh, degrees today. You're telling me your 30s is cold. Oh, jeez. Oh, wow. Yeah, I guess that's I mean, a little bit colder. We're, and there's people worse off than us. <laughs> exactly, man. I feel for those that are part of that homeless crowd right now oh my goodness yeah it's a hopefully a, more more helps coming their way out there and and right now we're looking at a, a postseason without the rams it's kind of a bummer but there is something mike that the rams have a stake in and that is two wide receivers by the name of tory holt and isaac bruce are finalists for the hall of fame we're going to know in a couple of weeks if they're going to be in and that's what we want to talk about today is Tory Holt, Isaac Bruce, and you had the privilege to play. I want to say privilege because <laughs> that game, uh, Isaac had a good one. You guys won, though. I guess we want to break this down a little bit because you have a different perspective. You played against Isaac and basically towards the end of your career, and he's starting his career. You missed Tory Holt by a couple years. So it's kind of like your generation was handing off the baton to the next generation. You got to see the next big, I guess, era? in football with the rise of these high-powered offenses like the Vikings had and the, and the Rams had. And and I think your thoughts kind of – I think they actually matter a bit here as we ask about not just the numbers, but whether or not these guys are actually worthy of being in the Hall of Fame. In the past, we've done a couple shows talking about the cases for Bruce and Holt and so on and so forth. And this time, although I get, I get to actually get a player perspective. So – I mean, I know you've got some thoughts right away. What are your opening thoughts? Well, in regards to, uh, say, playing against Isaac Bruce as a young youngster, I'm going to call him, coming in and, and a veteran guy, you know, getting closer to end of career. Uh, it's always interesting when, you know, we sit in the meeting rooms and, hey, you got a rookie for us. You know, being at the end of the year, you know, we had a lot more film in regards to, what a guy like that could possibly do. But by then he was clearly over uh, the thousand yard mark and receptions and clearly was a guy who could get open and it could do some things in space or no space, you know? So uh, for me, having been on that team, you know, two years prior, you know, still had a number of guys on the team that, that I knew and played with. And so that was interesting. And, and, and that being a team drafting you has always, team that you're looking at brings us here today uh it's always going to be a team that's you know fond of my heart and close to that so but for isaac it was just playing against a guy like that and you know we're kidding a little off off air in regards to you know sometimes at a veteran you don't always give you know the rookies or young guys all their due figuring okay you know maybe it's a one-year wonder things like that but he sure has proven to be one of the great all-time receivers yeah, we're going to get into that game. That was the game Miami beat the Rams that day, 37-22, last in the 1995 season, the first year in St. Louis. Uh, Isaac, though, had caught 15 passes for 210 yards and a touchdown from Mark Rippon, who at the time was the second-string quarterback for the Rams behind Chris Miller. Chris Miller had been hurt. So, I mean, he got you guys pretty good 
and you had some things to say about what you saw that day, and and I think they really matter about what make Isaac, you know, important as a player, what made him special. Before we get there, folks. Just have to remind you, we are sponsored by Jim Hawkins, Bill Caldwell's team. We also remind you that we're available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, SoundCloud, and Spreaker. Don't forget to subscribe. We really appreciate it. And also leave a review on Apple Music, a five-star review that really helps us out. And don't forget our other shows on the network, including Butting Heads. Um, when you get the shot there, close out. Well, a couple of our shows are kind of getting on break now as we're hitting off. But you know, Ramps Talk Radio never goes away. We don't go away. We're kind of like a virus that just holds on even when... It's all over with. We just hold on forever. Speaking of that review, contest. We are still shooting at that goal where we've been shooting there for a while there to get to 205 star reviews. So once we get there, one lucky winner will receive a $75 gift ticket to NFLshop.com. And this is how it works. Head over to Apple Music, leave a five-star review, and send us an email at ramstop1945 with a copy of your entry. So take a screenshot of it. You need to write this review out, okay? Take a screenshot of it, email it to us, and we'll read your review on the show. Matter of fact, we need to check and see if we have a couple to read. I think we do. So there we go. All right. First things first here. In our conversation about, that's right, the legends, these receivers, Tom, uh, Tory Holt, Isaac Bruce. I, I'm going to start with Tory Holt here first. And the reason why is Tory, he is the one that I remember a little more clearly. His career was different than Isaac's. He wasn't as he didn't play as long. He put together up until the end where he got hurt. He was very consistent. He was hardly ever hurt at all until the end. And that's when we started seeing the injury bug hit him. So during that time frame, Mike, I know you look at the stats here and you look at the stats straight through what he accomplished between two thousand and two thousand seven is pretty spectacular. Between 2000 and 2007, he did not catch less than 81 passes in a season. Did not finish below 1,188 yards in a season. He had two seasons of over 100 receptions. He had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight seasons of not only over 1,000 yards, but over 1,100 yards in, in his career, 74 touchdowns overall. You, to me, he's, well, he's deserving of his place in the Hall of Fame. He was able to stand out during a tenure where there are multiple other receivers that were stars, and he, he didn't take a backseat to anybody. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, when you you look at the numbers, uh, just impressive. And, you know, you're going to have a lot of people, oh, it's because of this, because of that. But the thing is, to play receiver, and especially at a time when we still could hit guys uh, and he could get hit, you're talking about that's very impressive. Uh, I was trying to look up uh, Mr. Jerry Rice's stats. He doesn't have stats like that. So when you look at a guy, you know, 1,600 yards to almost 1,700 yards twice, you know what I mean? And over that span, he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Well, eight for thousand consecutive 1,000-yard seasons, right? Well, but I'm talking about seven Pro Bowls. Yeah. You know, it's like that's impressive too. So 
that's more of you're not just getting voted on by someone sitting outside. That's voted on by your peers. So that's recognized by guys you play against and say, no, this guy's over here. He's dialing it up. And so when you look at it just from that standpoint, longevity, consistency, and actual proof in the pudding, yards, catches, all those things, you got to say very deserving. There is a quote, and Ramswire did a good job. I put in an article to capture this from his interview with Good Morning Football. I wanted to read this this set of quotes for you because I think it's a very concise but solid case that he makes about his qualifications. And he says, when asked if he is going to be in the Hall of Fame, he says, I feel like I'm definitely getting the respect that I worked for. And I actually disagree with him there, by the way. I'm going to come back to that. And I do feel like I'll be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Will it happen this year? I hope so. It'd be great. But I'm a finalist. It's just a matter of when now. He goes on. When you look at us separately, and he means him and Bruce, I'm actually in a different era than those guys. I think back to my 1999 draft class, and I was doing some research, and the Rams sent me over some stuff. I outpaced the 1999 draft class by 3,000 more yards than any receiver in that draft class. Just that draft class. That in itself is pretty phenomenal, I think. That sounds yellow jackety. It's kind of funny you said jackety. And then right, I was right. playing in an era. This is what's is key. And this is, folks, listen to this. This is, this is what kind of, I think, really stands apart here. I was playing in an era with Marvin Harrison, Isaac Bruce, Terrell Owens, Randy Moss, Steve Smith, Heinz Ward, and I was on the all-decade team with those guys. That just goes to show you the level I was playing. And keep that in mind, he still made seven Pro Bowls during an era when all those guys were playing. So what's the case against him at this point? Exactly. So that's where... You know, this whole idea of uh, the sports writers and whomever are on the committee voting, you know, I know they have what they say is the criteria, but what really is the criteria? You know what I mean? I mean, I had a chance to play against Marvin Harrison Harrison a number of times in, in Indy, you know, but that was more of an offense designed to get just him the ball. You know, they had obviously Marshall Falk earlier before he went to the Rams, but it was pretty well known that they were going to send uh, Marvin in, in motion, send him underneath, you know, send him through traffic, ducking behind someone, things like that. Uh, and not to take anything away from him, prolific receiver speaks for itself. But when you compare the two, you know, Terrell on speaks for himself, but had a lot of off the field issues and possibly teammate issues. But Isaac never had those things. He's been exemplary on the field off the field, uh, just a class act, uh, very hard worker. You never hear negative stuff. You know, you love Randy Moss. I mean, Tori, I'm sorry. Uh, but I'm sorry, Tori. Yes, thank you. Uh, but you look at Randy Moss, pretty much was a deep threat, prolific, couldn't be stopped. Steve Smith, you know, again, he was a guy that was the feature guy. So when you look at Tori, he technically wasn't a feature, but he still was putting up those numbers. I mean, he became the feature 
he became their number one receiver pretty quickly. Well, but I'm saying number one receiver, but you also had other weapons. Well, that to me makes it even stronger argument because even with all those other weapons, he put the numbers up, right? I mean, exactly. That's, I mean, that's what just, I'm saying. Yeah, and that's that is what should make him special. Now, I think people also argue, well, he's 21st in receptions, so he's not really even top 10. Well, I would counter that and say he's 21st in receptions, when, but when he retired, that's not where he was. We're in a new generation of receivers where, and tight ends for that matter. So people who have passed him, or at least played longer, include, as he has 920 receptions for his career, Derek Mason retired in 2011. Uh, Antonio Gates just retired. He had 955. Brandon Marshall, 970, played uh, retired in uh, 2018, so 12 years. Randy Moss played to 2012. Heinz Ward, 2011. Isaac Bruce played at the same time. They, they played until nine, he played until nine, 2009. So Isaac's right there with him. C. Smith, Andre Johnson, Reggie Wayne, Anquan Bolden, Terrell Owens, Jason Witten, Tony Gonzalez, and Larry Fitzgerald, who is still active. I mean, I got to think Larry will, if he can just hold on a couple more years, will probably pass Jerry Rice. Um, for receptions, so all these guys, Mike, they they played longer, and it was, when he retired, he's he's probably around eight or nine on that list, not twenty one. But we're in a different era where a lot of these guys, Heinz Ward was the guy in Pittsburgh for a long time. Randy Moss was the guy. Brandon Marshall in his prime was the guy. Antonio Gates, remember how dominant he was. He, right. uh, I gosh, geez. Um, Reggie Wayne was basically handed the baton from Marvin Harrison. Yes. Uh, and still mainly a one, a mostly one receiver, in, you know, in the offense there. Uh, right. And Quan Bolden was dominant early in his career. Of course, Terrell Owens was. So these are dominant players. This was an era of wide receivers. And to me, the this era of wide receivers and a couple of tight ends, should that in any way demean his own Hall, Hall of Fame credentials? Absolutely not. And so that's where this Hall of Fame voting and guy get in, you know, is he a first ballot? Is he a second? Does he got to wait till, you know, I think it's 10 years you can be on there. Uh, is he a last ballot guy? I mean, I don't know. So it's just interesting every year when this Hall of Fame comes up and, and absolutely there's, more guys who are worthy of a nod than they vote in each year, then it rolls to the next year. But when you talk about strictly a guy that should be in there, he's definitely one of them. So then that brings me to question, why wasn't he? Why isn't he yet? I mean, last year he didn't even make the top 15. And the year before he did. But Isaac Bruce made the cutoff. He didn't. Why is it taking so long for him to even be a consistent on the finalists list. Well, think about it. A lot of this is somewhat popularity. People like you and I, and I'm sure even a sports writer know what he's done. But if you go like, Hey, was this a household guy? Did we see him on a bunch of commercials? Have we seen him in movie movies and other things of, of that nature? No, he's more of a guy getting it done in the background. 
So my personal opinion would be it's more of that, you know, quote unquote notoriety. You know, he's a guy who has legitimate numbers, but it's not like, you know, you hear guys when they're on a telecast somewhere bringing up Tory Holt's name a lot, except for some people who were absolutely around during the air when, as they say, greatest show on turf. And maybe it gets taken away because it was named greatest show on turf. And there's some feeling that, oh, he just was part of whatever, you know, so. Do you think that the team no longer being in St. Louis plays a role in, I guess, the lack of exposure his candidacy is getting right now? You know what? That's that's a good point. I would hope not. I would hope that the team being in L.A. would even be more of an outlet for the things that we're kind of discussing today to be known, get out, so on and so forth. But you bring up a good point. There could be a point because, oh, well, that was a team that in some people's mind no longer exists. You know, all of us who watch the Baltimore Ravens, we go, well, really, that's the Cleveland Browns, not the Cleveland Browns who are the Cleveland Browns. You know what I mean? I so, mean, yeah. I keep thinking the Browns should have two Super Bowl titles right now. <laughs> Right. They don't. <laughs> exactly. But the the thing that really kind of gets to me when it comes to Tory Holt is his own the the Rams fan base doesn't really know him very well because a large portion of that Rams fan base was in St. Louis at the time. Now there was a pretty huge chunk of fans that stuck with the team all through the time uh, it was in St. Louis when they left L.A. But a large portion of the Rams fans today were not fans when he played for the Rams out there in L.A. They had no stake in him as a player. And I think that has to affect in some at least small way how he's viewed because, I mean, it's it's really easy, let's just say, um, all right, Ray Lewis played his entire career with the Ravens all the way through and played in front of those fans. It's it was really easy for them to jump on board his candidacy for the Hall of Fame and have it all over the stadium and so on and so forth. If they did that, I'm just saying it, that's the normal case. So the fans will be right on board with the whole Hall of Fame candidacy. So this time, as both Isaac and Tory are up for this Hall of Fame nomination, you know, I the fans don't really know them well, so they're. Come if he doesn't get in this year, you won't see any banners at the stadium saying Tory Holt needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Do something about it. We need a movement going here. Whereas if Ray Lewis didn't get in, there would have been a lot of folks up in Baltimore starting all kinds of making all kinds of noise about him not getting in. Hey, yeah, you're you're hitting uh, some great points there. I mean. When you look at it, he literally was in St. Louis his whole career. That's where it was. And so it would be interesting to see, one, how many St. Louis fans who don't feel burned by the move back to L.A. that would even want to get involved in something like that. But if we could just go a little bit back in time and now still in St. Louis and now the vote is on, you know, it would seem like it would be really a no-brainer, which leads to 
is this something that the organization should be trying to promote more? I don't know. What do you think? I don't think the, I mean, and okay. One, I got put, I want to put a really big, um, Oh boy. I'm going to put a big, big exclamation point, a big asterisk here. This is not meant in any way to insult the team and cover the Rams at all. But do I believe the Rams have done a good job advocating for, for former players to be in the Hall of Fame? No, I don't. And I'm going back years. There's a name that I, that's very, it's actually, I mean, I've interviewed him twice. Um, I, I, I've talked with his, you know, his daughter's a really big advocate for him on social media. I've, I've talked with her. Um, but Eddie Metter, the Rams defensive back from the 1960s, who was really ahead of his time and, and how he played the game in that era, he should be in the Hall of Fame. He, he helped change the game in terms of pass defense during that time frame. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, there's other names for the Rams that at least deserve some strong consideration and some advocacy. That includes Roman Gabriel. Remember him? I mean, well, for sure. Okay. And then I think of Tory Holt, obviously, and, and Isaac Bruce. If, if you I'm got the Rams, a guy like Harold Jackson in there as well. Sure, sure, Harold Jackson. I mean, there's, I there's, mean, a, there, to me, the Rams are one of the underrepresented teams in the Hall of Fame. Yes, there are several players from that '70s era that should be looked at as well, not just Harold Jackson. And you know, you a lot of times you have to advocate for yourself, and by advocating for yourself, I mean as an organization, the Rams really should do a better job of pushing the candidacies of their players. It does benefit them. It does benefit them to be able to to put them out there and talk about how we have so many Hall of Famers and we and look at look at these people who have played on, on this field before. You that's as to the level of prestige and the history of your franchise. These are people you promote. You should be promoting. And really, with Isaac and, and Tori still being younger, there's a lot that I think PR-wise they could bring to the organization, especially as Hall of Famers. So why aren't they pushing them more than they are? The Rams, I think, should do more, Mike. They should push these players more on the public stage and you know have their highlight films playing more, acknowledge them more. I think, in general, the Rams, and I think, by the way, they've done a much better job than, like, say, 10 years ago, of acknowledging their history. They need to do it more. It means it'd be something they do every game, really. Acknowledge something about their history. Acknowledge something about what's been accomplished. And it's not its not hard to do. This team has a very long history with a lot of great moments, a lot of bad moments, too, but a lot of great moments that they can highlight. And they still have a lot of players who have been there, done that, and wore the T-shirt that they could be acknowledging. Yeah, I mean, I, I just can't figure out, you know, I'm I'm taking a peek uh, as you were, you know, laying those all those points out and just looking at some of the people on the selection committee, a uh, number of the, the writers I, I know, not so much personally, but from coverage. And 
again, there's probably just a flaw in the overall system because how many of these guys, depending on age and time in the business, you know, know of certain guys, know of others, you know, how is it voted on? You know, I think I've alluded to in a number of our podcasts when we talk anytime about the Pro Bowl, sometimes, you know, and I wouldn't think that the, the Hall of Fame committee would try to rush through anything, but I just remember from our Pro Bowl days, it was kind of like, okay, well, who's this guy? Okay, let me go with the stat guy. Boom, 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 and then that guy might be in. Oh, who was in last year? Oh, it was Jerry Rice. Okay, man, well, he's automatically in. Oh, Chris Carter, he's automatically in. And then we need two more. And so, again, I don't know overall on how they vote if they just – get a list of people and then they start narrowing down okay who's voting for this guys okay they made it to the second round okay they make it to our third round okay then these are going to be our finalists that we eventually vote on but i don't know how you would coordinate between all these different writers some who are sportscasters some who are news guys some who are just at large people and how do you get them to say oh Maybe it's a guy that you haven't necessarily followed yourself or know of big picture wise, but how how do you present that to a committee member who may not have as much knowledge as someone else who may be a little older or they played in their city or they played on, you know, a certain coast? You know, that plays a lot. If you live out here in California and there's a guy on the East Coast doing well, you're probably not gonna hear as much about him or her, you know, depending on the sport. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. It would be interesting to just kind of know what kind of goes on in the real meetings on how they actually narrow it down to the finalists. And then out of those, how do they actually just vote on who's in? Well, the issue I really have, though, is like I I'm go back to Isaac Bruce last year and I asked about this. And that would be every person has somebody like sort of an advocate, like some member of their media market will go in there and advocate for that player, make a case for him. And since I forget what the actual name is for it, like a delegate or something like that. Since Isaac Bruce played in St. Louis, a member of the St. Louis media, and that was Howard Balzer was the one who went and made the case for him last year. And in the end, he, he made his case. He was done, like, I think the number was like seven minutes. And then when it was over, there were no questions. There was no conversation about him. And they, they moved on. Eventually, they didn't vote him in. When talking to people familiar with the process, this is last year, I was told that, that, is, that the way it went down was indicative of a poor presentation by their advocate. You know, Got it. And I asked... Balzer on, I asked him on social media earlier this uh, early this season about it, and he made a different case. As a matter of fact, he's still on the selection committee for the Rams right now. I mean, it really should be at some point a member of the LA media, but right now, you know, he's still on it. You have to make a case, and you have to make a convincing one, and. From what I gathered from those who I talked to, he didn't make the world's best case, and nobody asked any questions. There was no conversation about him afterwards. Now, Howard gave a, a different response to me, in, in fairness, and basically said along the lines, you know, there were other factors there and there were things going on. And, and um, 
but that's that's okay. I, I get you were saying there. I'm not sure I agree, but there probably should have been more conversation made about Isaac Bruce that day. And I, I personally think he gets in before Tory. So wrapping this because this this part was about Tory. I think the problem with Tory's candidacy right now is twofold. A, once he got hurt, his career went downhill fast in terms of productivity. He was retired by age 33. That's a bummer. That's a shame for him because it's not indicative, I think, of him as a player that he had to retire a little bit early. Matter of fact, let me see. He was retired his last year in the NFL was in 2009, and he was 33 years old. He didn't play until 36, 37, 38. If he's able to play and even put remotely average numbers, his can I mean, he probably has more numbers in terms of sheer numbers than Isaac Bruce does. I mean, even if he puts up, plays three more years and gets 150 more receptions, period, like 50 a year, his number then goes to 1,070 receptions, which would put him tied for 10th in the league all time. That's vastly different than 21st he's at now. So I think that's one thing. And Mike, I think the other other reason he's not in the Hall of Fame is is Isaac's in the way. And I don't think he goes in before Isaac does. I, I mean, I can't think of any other reason given eight consecutive over seasons of over 1,100 yards, seven Pro Bowls. When he was great, he was great. It was for a long period of time. He was consistently great until he got that first real knee injury. And that shouldn't take away from how great he was. It wasn't like he only played three years in the league. Right. So, I mean, how do you measure it? Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It looks like there's something that goes because, again, we we talked about some of those guys that were in his draft class. But you see a guy like Tony Gonzalez. What's opposite of Tony Gonzalez? Tony Gonzalez has been a TV guy, commercial guy, you know, good-looking guy, you know, he gets hired by, I forget what network he's on now, but working with some of the so-called bigger guys. So, you know, is it is it part of a bigger thing? You know what I mean? Hey, man, Tony Gonzalez working with the network. Oh, man, it'd be nice to have Tony Gonzalez Hall of Famer on the network. Hey, that makes our ratings go up. You know, I don't know. But when you're talking about mere numbers, how do you, as a writer or voter, say, Oh, we're gonna vote Tony Gonzalez in over this guy, and then you gotta just go, okay, why? What 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 is it? And then, you know, yeah. Oh, different positions. Okay, he's a tight end, Tori's a receiver. Okay, if that's criteria. So then we should have voting that says this year we're voting one running back, one tight end, one receiver, one lineman, one defensive, you know what I mean? then you got to start breaking things down into that type of a voting system if that's what it's going to be. Oh, it's because he plays a different position. Yeah, the only problem with that is what if you get to a period where you've elected a certain amount of people and you don't have anybody, like you don't have a running back in that particular selection process that's worthy of of making the Hall of Fame. Right, that's what I'm saying. So, again, what what goes into the overall, well, I'm going to vote for this guy over that guy. You know, I know being in a voting room when we're voting for Pro Bowl, sometimes I just don't like that guy. Well, why? I don't know. You know, so sometimes, not that these guys 
who are voting are being biased in any way. I'm sure they are because who knows what goes into, hey, come on, such and such. Your vote didn't seem to help us as a newspaper or an organization get more notoriety because they're not asking you why you voted for that. You know, I don't know. I mean, let's it just be really there. Mike, either there are agreements. There are backdoor agreements between be. writers and voters on who they're going to put in this year. You know, we'll put the we'll put your guy in this year as long as you put my guy in next year. There has right. to be. Otherwise, you're going to have a lot more gridlock than people can even imagine. I mean, you're going to have it. I mean, tell, I mean, look at Terrell Owens. How long did it take him to get in? Well, we know why that was. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, but yeah. it's evidence alone. If it took Terrell Owens three shots to get in, right? then someone saying, we're not going to vote him and we're going to choose him. That's, that's collusion on that's voting collusion. there. There it is. Yeah, we're not. Uh, don't freak out, folks. We're not talking any no. other politics. We're just talking in terms of you are colluding to not put somebody in, and therefore you're going to make a decision to put somebody else in. And by the way, those decisions also affect guys coming afterwards. Because if Terrell should have been in as a first ballot, everybody right. Two, comes in behind him. Right. Yeah, yeah. Does affect that bump down or yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and, and I think ultimately what we're saying or what we're suggesting, I mean, we're not know-it-alls or know-it-all, things like that, is sometimes a little bit of transparency and truth. Yeah, man, I don't like that guy. Okay, that makes sense. You know what I mean? But, you know, when we live in this age of being everything politically correct, you know, you get all these sound bites on the reason why certain things don't happen instead of just saying, yeah, no, man, that guy disrespected us. Yeah, we're not voting him in right now. You know, I haven't forgiven him. But that all goes back to human nature. You know what sure I mean? We're, sure we does. live in an imperfect world. So anytime you're dealing with humans, we see that in, you know, the refing. Golf guy makes a call on the field. Oh, it goes up to the booth. A guy sees it differently, sees it the same. And, or you go like, okay, how did you not see it differently on that one? So human nature. Question we're going to ask a lot. I mean, one more thing on Tori. You mentioned that, you know, you got like Tony Gonzalez on TV. I mean, Tori does do some gigs on TV. Um, but I, I think it would be really helpful for him if he – was even more involved in terms of the Rams in general. You get, you know, I, I know he lives somewhere else. He has Holt brothers with, with his brother. I, I get it. He comes out to help the receivers here and there. But if you if you saw him more in terms of always being interviewed when it came to the Rams, like, I mean, geez, Isaac Bruce has been on our podcast a couple of times. I mean, so I'd say get on the podcast and get out there and be a part of the Rams fraternity. Vince Ferragamo is on TV all the time. Jim Everett's always available. Um, Get out there and be a part of it and help the fans get to know you a little bit. Because if the fans get to know you a little bit, they're going to advocate for you. And you're going to start seeing more of a groundswell as well. And Isaac Bruce, I think, as well. We're going to him next. It's not just about... It's not... It is, I guess, a little bit of a popularity contest. People yelled enough about Terrell Owens he got in, I think. I think if, if it was up to the voters, it would have made him wait longer. And in a lot of ways, I mean, honestly, think about it. I mean, Terrell Owens did a lot of jerk things in his career. Fantastic right. football player. 
but he was also divisive. He was rude in a lot of cases, and and, and I think a lot of people had a, had good reason to not want to vote for him personally alone. So you mean to tell me though they were all of a sudden after year three able to put that aside, or was there not some, um, a growing support among the media and fan bases to see Torello ones in? I'm, I'm guessing. That, I mean, that's what I saw happening, right? No, no doubt, no doubt. And uh, just to to just kind of add a little bit to you know the Tory Holt and you know if he's here, I think two things you have two types of mindsets when it comes to sports and you know accolades and things like that you have a guy like two in my opinion terrell owens he needed the press and he needed the pats on the back he wanted the accolades i did this i did that then you have the other guys like a tory holt or henry ellett who actually just play the game so you can go back to his statement that you read earlier says i do holt said when asked if he thinks he'll be inducted i feel like i definitely I'm getting definitely getting the respect that I worked for, right? And, yeah, Mike, so, I disagree with that though. I don't think do he gets. Res- I don't think he gets the respect that he deserved in the game. He's well, he's I not on he's the tongues of many people. The re- right, but I think he's saying that in the sense of I've never been a guy going out here pounding my chest and like, look what I did, man. Show me what I did. He's going more from, in my opinion, that's how I play the game. I didn't need to know, hey, Stu, you did a great job. No, man, I'm gonna go out here and I'm gonna play with the name that's on my back for my family and the Lord and the team. We all gonna go out here and just get get some work in. So. That's different than, hey, man, you know, making sure you're hitting every TV circuit and things like that, you know, and I'm sure Tori probably knows, like, yeah, if I did more of that kind of stuff, but that's probably not high on his priority list. I still would say it would probably be a pretty smart thing to do to get out there and just be a part of the Rams nation, quote unquote, more. Gotcha. You know, get, you know, nobody's saying you got to run out there and, do everything or make yourself something you're not, but just be part of it. Let this fan base get to know you a little bit. And that's, I mean, when these players go out to Rams Fest or they, or they go out to some other, you know, booster club things, when they visit with fans at games, this means the world to the fans. And it means the world in terms of not just, hey, I met Tory Holt, but Tory Holt's a walking piece of Rams history. Very important history, by the way. You know what, Derek? That's that's an interesting point you're making. Uh, just a quick sidebar. I know we got to get to break real quick. Uh, yesterday, I had a chance to go down to the NFLPA uh, All-Star Game down at the Rose Bowl. Uh, they had a chance to play set up, you know, hour before for, quote-unquote, VIP old-timers, guys. I kind of missed that. So I was going to the ticket booth to get our ticket. You know, I have my my kids and grandkids with me, and I'm looking at the guy, the gentleman who was kind of pointing people in the right direction. Obviously, worked for the NFL PA, and he goes, uh, "Who are you?" And I go, I'm "Michael Stewart." He goes, "Oh, are you a former player?" And I go, "Well, yeah." And he goes, "Oh, okay. Well, you can go over to the window." He didn't know me from anywhere, but from my mind, I go, "I'm thinking, hey man, I got 10 years in the league." Not that I'm a household name or thing like that, but 10 years, you would think this speaks for something. 
But on the flip side of it is, how would he know me? Because I haven't really been involved in a lot of those kinds of things or been at those kinds of things where your your face is recognizable. So, yeah, I would agree in that sense that, yeah, maybe there's some things where he could do, you know, maybe on a biannual, biannual basis or things like that to at least make his face a little more recognizable, things like that. And he has been out here and there, by the way. I mean, he has been out there. Yeah. Um, I would just like to see him more. I mean, I, he's, I interviewed him years ago, and um, he was a heck of a conversation. Funny. He, I, mean, we, I, I was, you know, asking him about his time in New England and, you know, about, you know, that they really cheat. Was it the spy gate? This is back then when this is more of a prevalent view. And I, I just, <laughs> I just, he was so stinking personable. Yes. And people get to know that side of him a little bit. Because, I mean, he's he is one of the best receivers to have played the game, period, not just for the Rams. I mean, when he was when he was at his peak, he was to me just as fearful, I mean, in terms of opposing players. I mean, he was just as dominant. His speed was off the chain. His route running, his I mean, he was an amazingly great football player and it's unfortunate that many of the LA fans don't know him as well and that would take us to that's right Isaac Bruce so before we get there just want to actually remind you about our sponsor we've been talking a lot about history in this episode many people who are probably newer to the show don't realize that we started Rams Talk as more of a homage to the history of this franchise actually that's how Mike uh, became part of our staff Mike was somebody I reached out for an interview, just you know, catch up with Mike and and um, Mike and I we able to build a report pretty quickly, and eventually I asked Mike to come on and be a co-host here, and um, the story is now written. He's here as part of our staff, and um, that's been a big part of who we are at Rams Talk. So we're pretty proud to have our sponsor be someone who wrote a Rams history book. Okay, and that is. Jim Hawks, Hollywood Teen Great Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams, and it's through the lens of Jim's dad, John. He was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. So this is the era when Rams football was becoming entrenched in L.A., and this is the, the same era where Hollywood was really taking off. We're talking Jane Russell at the time and, and Marilyn Monroe and just these huge, huge stars. But he, but he played with stars, too. So you can read about plays at Norman Van Brocklin, Elroy, Chrysler's Hurst, Tom Fears, Les Richter, all in this story spent the 1950s Rams. You can find Hawk's book online. It's at hollywoodsteen.com and on Twitter at hollywoodsteen. It's also available both in hardback, paperback, and electronic form at Barnes & Noble and Amazon. Also, you can find it in various other booksellers on the internet. Folks, it's worth it. And it goes to a great cause. All proceeds go to Homeboy Industries. It's out there in L.A. It's working to get people off the streets, gangsters, off the streets and making them back into productive members of society. Again, check it out. I can't speak enough about the book. I can't speak enough about Jim Hawk and the effort he put in to make this book accessible to as many people as possible. It's affordable. So it's hot with great glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time. So back to more history then. Isaac Bruce. And we've made extensive cases. Like last year and New Year's prior, we usually put more time into Isaac. He's the one who's probably closer right now to getting in. He's been on the cusp, and I, 
Mike, I think there's a good chance he gets in this year, even with the last year's debacle there when conversation of voting was in place. It just seems like at this point you kind of have to put him in because you have Tory Holt sitting there and you have Reggie Wayne now sitting behind this whole thing. And I don't think you see Reggie Wayne get in before Isaac Bruce or Statzer are just too similar. So you played against him, though. You played against him in 1995, the last game of the season. We mentioned it earlier in the show. The Dolphins won that game 37-22, but Isaac caught 15 passes for 210 yards that day and a touchdown. What do you remember about that game? Well, the big thing is, uh, one, I had a big turf burn on my leg sliding on that St. Louis new turf. <laughs> but one of the things going into the game, knew a lot about Isaac Bruce then being at the end of the year. Uh, but again, you know, he's still looking at a guy who's a rookie. Uh, but you got a guy named Jerome Bettis who was in that backfield as well. Another savvy veteran at QB, Mark Rippin. So, you know, we needed that win to, you know, solidify a playoff. So that was kind of the big emphasis. The other thing was in regards to uh, Isaac, just personally, it was like, well, we just can't let this guy get loose. But he got loose. But it was in a contained sense of, you know, we hadn't gotten up, especially late, uh, that the big game that he had personally wasn't something that did us in. But he was all over. He was underneath. He was over the top. I mean, uh, you just remember a guy just catching, snatching balls. And it's like, you know, because what happens when a guy is catching rocks on you like that, you're like, hey, man, drop back in coverage, backers. Hey, jam that guy off the line a little more. Hey, man, quit letting that guy get all, you know. So those are kind of things you're having as you're going back to the huddles with your guys. But a guy like that as a rookie, was able to find his way through uh, what would seem to be a porous defense that day and have a great day. A porous defense, and I don't mean to to uh, be the jerk here, but, well, yeah, I, I kind of do. You played <laughs> in that defense. Wait, man. Yeah, I just want to point that out. <laughs> hey, man, you have days when, you know, the thing is, you can have a game personally that's well, but if you're on a defense that's not doing overall well, well, yeah, you're still out there. Yeah, but And same with him. You know, he had a big day offensively, but it wasn't like the game was in jeopardy of us losing. Well, I mean, the game was 27-22 at one point before you guys pulled away. I mean, that would be a jeopardy of losing. Yeah, man, but we got Dan Moreno, man. We light it up. 21 points. Boom, it's nothing. Next thing you know, game over. Yeah, unfortunately, your defense will give up 21 points. Pretty quickly too at times. Just throw, I'm throwing some serious shade in there. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, the but yeah, no Isaac Bruce. Uh, again, you don't want to give a lot of love to a guy that just comes into the league. But what puts a guy like Isaac Bruce? He didn't come in. He let his plan do the talking. So he was a guy that just went to work and it spoke for itself. And you just really can appreciate a guy like Isaac and, and just his demeanor and attitude and way he played the game. And then for me, being a Ram that had been on that team, you know, not too many years earlier, uh, a lot of guys on the team. And so you get a chance to find out about a guy personally. And when they say, hey, man, that's one of the good guys, you go like, man, that's cool. He's going to have a outstanding career. What I think is crazy about Isaac Bruce 
is he's 13th all time at 1,024 catches. I don't know what it is, but and it seems so. It seems like it was yesterday, but I remember a year when Art Monk was right. the all-time leading pass catcher, and it wasn't even close. Right. And this is in 1995. And then eventually Jerry Rice caught him and really surpassed him. Jerry Rice is all-time number one now with 15.49 in terms of his receptions. Torrey Holt is 21st his career. We mentioned that. The person in front of him is Art Monk. Art Monk retired in 1995 as the all-time pass receiver. And again, it wasn't close. This is how the game has changed. So even now, Isaac Bruce had a 15-year career, has 1,024 receptions for his career. 1,024. 13th all-time. That's ridiculous. He is 5th all-time in receiving yards. 5th. People ahead of him, Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, Larry Fitzgerald, and Jerry Rice. Those are the people who are ahead of him. And the closest active receiver receiving yards-wise is actually tight end. That's Jason Witten. Jason Witten, I probably probably won't catch him. Holyfield Jones might. He's at 25th right now at 12-125. But, Mike, given those numbers, I can still... To a degree, understand why it's taking a little bit longer for us to get in, and it's not necessarily. How so? A, well, hold on here. This is not. A, this is not me coming down on Isaac. Don't, I see. I see a little bit of defensiveness getting in there because we're good. Yeah, man. Don't boy. get on my little ram cats. You yeah, know, I'm, and I'm not I mean, either. Some of but, this is just again. What What really is the criteria? Well, you know, fifteen thousand plus yards. Speaks for itself. It's, go, it does. Ahead, okay, it does. But listen, I'm not. I am not in any way making the argument because I've been making this for years. Bruce should be in. Bruce should go in this year. He should have went in last year, in my opinion. For him, that for him last year to not have anybody at all ask a question after his presentation. For his presentation to only be like seven minutes long, or some short number like that. I think it's seven minutes. I remember, I'm trying to remember the source that told me it was in the ESPN. Um. That just blows my mind. But I can see how they'd rationalize it. Let me explain why. 1997 doesn't finish the whole season. Expand out the numbers, he's probably at 1,200 yards or so, okay? But he doesn't finish the whole season, 12 games. 1998, five games, 32 yeah. catches, 457. Probably if under that, again, probably out close to 1,200 yards or so if he plays a whole year, maybe 13. Go down to 2003. 69 catches for 981 yards. Uh, down in 2005, now he's starting to get hurt again. So he's had spot. He had spots throughout his career where he had injury issues, and that was 97, 98, and in um, 2005, and then towards the end as well. 2005, 36 catches for 525. Uh, 2007, 55 catches for 733. 61 for 835 last year with four Niners. 21 catches for 264. He has four Pro Bowl visits. He has basically, outside of his 1995 year, can you even argue his 96 year and his 2000 year, there aren't really a whole lot of years overall that blow your mind. Okay? 
But on the flip side, before you reach through the microphone and, and choke me here, since when do football players in a rather physical game don't get hurt, not get hurt? And there has to be some kind of consideration put on the fact that Isaac Bruce was pretty much the only guy that scared opponents on that Rams offense from 1995 through 1998. Going down to 20, 2005 on, those Rams teams were either 8-8 eight and eight or much worse. So his career, numbers-wise in my opinion, gets shortchanged by A, the injuries early and late in his career, and B, by the fact that by 2004, the greatest show on October is pretty much over, and that team was on its way down to a very dark place. And if you measure him at his best, at his greatest, you can remember him as the guy who caught the game-winning touchdown in Super Bowl 34. I mean, you get what I'm saying? I'm just going through the factors I think that have affected him here overall because if he plays most of those years healthy and on a reasonably good football team, his numbers unbelievably are even better than that. And again, he's fifth all-time in receiving yards. Right, and so, again, this goes back to, and maybe this is now a circular argument discussion, okay, what and how are we really voting are we taking the mass number of pool, 50 guys or whatever it is, and we go, oh, there are standouts within this pool. They move right to the top. They're automatically in finalists. Okay, now we got to get the remaining six or whatever it whittles down to as finalists. Okay, now let's just figure out those guys. Because, again, when you look at it, and I was thinking earlier, okay, what was one of the bigger difference between Torrey and Isaac? Man, Torrey has like seven Pro Bowls. Isaac only has these four. But I remember being in the stadium when Isaac would catch balls and it would be like, Bruce, Bruce, you know what I mean? It's like he had a cheer, if you will, when he caught the ball. You know, it's this big Bruce thing to go around. I don't remember Tory. I don't know if they could have made one Tory. I don't know if that would have sounded right. But Bruce, it was like Bruce. You know, the whole stadium would erupt. So you got all these things that they go into how guys are remembered. And again, Isaac Bruce is another guy. Just went out there, did his job. And biggest point you made at the end of your discussion just a second ago was, is it because the teams you're on are not that good? You know what I mean? I mean, I think it plays a factor because you're not getting the ball as much. I mean, you. Well, I, I just look at guys I play, you know, I played, you know, obviously with Jim Everett, great quarterback, played against Joe uh, Montana, great quarterback, played against Jim Kelly, great quarterback. Uh, played against the precursor uh, that played before Brady. So Bledsoe was there. So playing against and or with these certain quarterbacks, when I think of the greatest of all time, I'm always going to think of Dan Moreno because what I actually saw him do with sometimes superior talent, sometimes less than superior, but just moxie. But the discussion now has moved to Tom Brady. Why? Tom Brady has, what, six, seven Super Bowls? Something crazy. Joe Montana had a bunch of Super Bowls. 
But when I talk about a guy, I want to have the ball at the last shot, Dan Moreno, hands down. So does it go back to your earlier argument about Tory? Is it the fact that the St. Louis Rams are now the L.A. Rams? And during a lot of those years when it was the St. Louis Rams, they were not the Rams, as we were called, the Lambs and a bunch of other things. You know what I mean? So does team record, oh, you only got so many Super Bowls, you didn't elevate your team. I mean, I don't know what goes into actually saying, man, this guy was legit. He was unstoppable. Why isn't he in there or why does he now have to wait? Four, five, three, whatever times it is before you get in. You tell sure. me. But here, let me, let me make a legit case, okay? On Break it down. Something we you, you kind of mentioned a little bit, but when I look at, for example, the Hall of Fame committee, okay? Look at how they're represented. Kent Summers from the Arizona Republic for the Cardinals. Daryl Ledbetter from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. For the Atlanta Falcons, Vic Carucci from the Buffalo New, Dan Pompey from the Athletic, Tony Grossi from ESPN Cleveland, G. Dave Burkett from the Detroit Free Press, the uh, geez, Therese Paler from Yahoo, he's, and he's been known long before that. I'm going down this list of guys who are the who's who in these areas. The PFWA is represented by Mary Kay Cabot from the Cleveland Plain Dealer. Not a fan of hers, but she's pretty freaking good at what she does in terms of what she does. Other voters here that we know, John Clayton from ESPN Seattle, Dan Fouts, Peter King, Sal Palantonio. These are some pretty big names in the industry for NFL sports journalists. And many of these names are representing that city kind of like it's a person who's going to represent them as, as a sort of an advocate. And the Rams have Howard Balzer from the sports exchange who's had a decent career, but he was covering this team as a St. Louis Rams writer. What stakes does he have now to see any Rams go to the hall of fame? And what stakes does, does he really have in the game? How much influence does he have in advocating for Isaac Bruce right now when the team is no longer even in the city. And I'm not making right. a statement. I'm asking a question. I don't know, but I would tell you, exactly, I would think exactly that Kent Summers and Daryl Ledbetter and Vic Carucci and Dan Pompey would have more influence. Correct. Correct. So that's, again, how are these things playing out in real time? You know, is that gentleman Howard holding a grudge? Or other guys going, oh, well, I don't really know him that well. Hey, you know, they have some down years. Ah, let's vote for this guy over here. So that's what I think is because of the human nature aspect of it. because I look at some of these names and I know some of these guys personally and some of the things that happen, I'm laughing because you just know the stuff from, from them covering you and different stuff that's happened. Some of them have been, you know, they've had some staying power. So, again, it's interesting how much are just going through their daily job, you know, how many are looking to move on to maybe something better in the sports writer world. You know, everyone is seeming to maybe want to transition to TV to hopefully become one of these higher paid T 
TV personalities. Uh, a lot of them started out as writers. So uh, I totally agree in that respect. And again, does it go back to team? Hey, we're going to stand on the table for you. Does it go back to fans? Hey, we're going to stand on the table for you. Or it goes back to someone like you and I saying, well, we're going to stand on the table for you and get this out. Well, I'm going to say it flat out, you know, and and full disclosure, we have been in contact with Isaac's camp um, throughout, you know, some time here the last year. I've, I've exchanged some emails with them and talked a little bit that we had Isaac on the show last year. And so, I, I mean, I know where they stand on, on things. And and I can tell you that 100% this man deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. It's, he needs to be there. And it's... And, it's a shame to me to not even have a word talked about in terms of conversation last year as they were getting ready to cast their final votes. That's ridiculous. Isaac Bruce should be in the Hall of Fame. Tory Holt should be in the Hall of Fame. And quite frankly, several Rams that we mentioned earlier, plus probably a couple more, should be in the Hall of Fame. And I'm tired of seeing this franchise's Great players being left behind while other ones go in. I'll advocate until I'm blue in the face, Mike, that Eddie Metter needs to be in the Hall of Fame. I'll advocate it for it time and time again. And the fact that he's Absolutely. not even talked about right now is ridiculous. There's a good argument for well, Robin Gabriel. There's a good argument for all these guys I mentioned. And there's a darn good argument for Isaac and Tori, and it's time they got in. And I'm saying that as, a, as somebody who has not been able to talk to Tori about it in, what, eight years? We had that conversation eight years ago. I'm just saying. Right. Right. It's, you know, I mean, that old Janet Jackson song says, what have you done for me lately? So maybe it's definitely we need to somehow figure out, not we, we collectively being all the camps, whether it's Tories or obviously in Isaac's case or Ram family, Ramily, and all of us, uh, you know, doing something to get these guys in or at least start making more noise. So people actually know that we care and we appreciate people who have worn the yellow and gold. Well, I mean, and that, I feel or bad in that regard. Blue. I feel yeah. bad in that regard because after last year's hall of fame, uh, after Hall of Fame selections, I had made a promise to myself that this year, we, over Rams Talk, we would spend and start building campaigns from our view to advocate for these guys and let the public know how good they really were. And we just didn't have the resources this year to do it. And by the way, folks, speaking of resources, we are getting ready for the 2020 calendar year. And if you want to join our staff and be a part of this and help us do some of these things, I mean, I can't promise you cash because we're broke, but what we can do is give you some experience and you can be a part of something special because I tell you what, we're, pa- we're passionate about this. And um, if you want to be a part of that, you can email us at ramstop1945gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail and um, help us do this. Can help us spread the word about the real deal Rams football. I mean, the Rams fans across the country, especially in LA, get have a really kind of a unfair reputation, and it's not even remotely true about the people we know. So, I'm just going to throw that out there. And it is time for us to go point blank 
needs to be in the Hall of Fame, both men, for some different reasons, but it needs to happen. And uh, Mike, any closing thoughts there? Just the idea that uh, we're talking about it. Hopefully, this do its part to light a little bit of a fire and it can spread because uh, it just would be nice to see guys who are truly worthy of the honor to be uh, inducted in such a great, uh, as they say, family, if you will, brotherhood. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to both of those guys getting in sooner than later. Well, it darn well be better sooner. <laughs> better be sooner. I, I have my, you know, I have a promise to keep on that one to go to go see their induction. So we're gonna go do it. All right, guys, it's time for us to go. We hope you enjoyed our discussion on it. If you have your own thoughts, please send us an email. If you again, I, I asked you about if you want to be part of a, what we do. There are actually a couple of subjects we didn't even get to today because this this took over the whole conversation. So tune in. We're going to be talking running backs, coaches. We're going to be talking about the Super Bowl next time we meet. And uh, there's hope. But if you want, if we're looking for sponsors this year, you can reach out to us at Rams1945 at gmail.com. We can leave us a voicemail at 657-665-4543. We've got a media kit ready to get out to you. And also, don't forget, we're also part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at DC Apollo and one Duke twenty three. That's me and Mike. Okay, D- D- DC Apollo and one Duke twenty three. The homepage, RamsTalk.net. You can find us also on Twitter at TalkRams and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash RamsTalk and find our group as well. That's where we actually talk more at Rams Talk Room. Don't forget us on Apple Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all those places. And for the entire Rams Talk staff, especially today with me, Mike, this is Derek C. Paul saying take it easy. We'll be back midweek. We're out of here. We're out. type of drama. Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Curry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the making. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. 
Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com 